relates to limits and boundaries, we have to ask ourselves, am I stretching the limits? When I'm driving, um, for just a quick testimony, I used to, someone say used to, this is my testimony, not yours. I used to get police tickets all the time. Thank you, brother. I just said, maybe it was just me. I was a speed, I don't want to say demon. I was a speed man. I, just, I was a speed Christian, a speed believer. And I would speed. You hear me? I just would speed, 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 and have tickets all the time. I believe it's been a very long time since I got a ticket, and I thank the Lord, and I praise him for it. And my insurance praises God for it as well. Uh, but I would, I would get the tickets, and then I would go to traffic school, you know, to uh, anybody else like me? I did. I would go to traffic school so I didn't have to pay my ticket, you know, and I would do all the type of stuff. And then sometimes just bite it, you know, bite the bullet. And I just go pay it and whatever, you know, but I would ignore because I didn't have margin and I was always late to places. So I was trying to always get there in halftime because I left too late. So I would always stretch the limit, even though the speed sign said 55, my time clock said, but I was supposed to be there, I'm supposed to be there in 10 minutes. And I'm in Frankfurt trying to get to Lexington. <laughs> I'm not talking about I'm at Man of War trying to get to Master Station. I'm talking about I'm in Frankfurt trying to get to, to Lexington or whatever in 15 minutes to do opening prayer. So two things were wrong. One, I was ignoring, here it is, I was ignoring the laws, the law limit, and then trying to manipulate the spiritual limit. The law limit, this, I, know I'm just, I know I'm just talking, I'm usually I give you a scripture and a title, but as far as the law limit was, the speed limit is 55 or 65 or whatever but my so I was going over that limit and hoping no one caught me and then when I got to church late I was exercising and abusing the spiritual limit because I was like God I still need to use you for prayer so now I was having God in heaven on emergency mode because I didn't have margin enough to prepare my spirit for my assignment if I'm going to be if I'm going to be leading prayer how can I lead prayer and my spirit is rushed if I'm doing opening prayer, I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes this early, but if I'm leading prayer, prayer is about being centered with God. Prayer is about communication with God. So how can I set the atmosphere of a house if my inner man is already on anxiety and I'm already rushing and I grab the microphone, I'm like, and y'all had a week, and y'all had to, you stretch the limit. So now you're not even in spiritual margin to lead worship, to lead prayer, to read a scripture or do anything because you stretched the law limit and now you're trying to manipulate the spiritual minute and the spiritual limit. And the thing is, and this is why we, many of us are not spiritually discerning to even realize when we've stretched the spiritual limit because we say, well, God still use me. Yes. Because the gifts and the callings of God come without repentance, meaning God's always going to get the glory. His name is on the line. He will never make himself look bad. 
But, so, but that means that you have now operated in grace zone. But scripture says, shall I continue stretching the limit so that grace may always have to be doing something? Shall I continue to stretch the mark? Shall I continue to put myself in situations that God can be able to always show his grace? Or do I just line myself up, line myself up so that grace can operate not frustrated, but grace can operate like it normally operates? Have we frustrated grace so much that grace is always on overtime in your life? Are we operating in our gifts on frustrated grace? Well, we've stretched the limit in forgiveness, stretched the limit of our memory, we've stretched the limit of our lifestyles, we've stretched the limit on our giving, stretched the limits on all these different things. And it's not that God doesn't want to wake you up tomorrow, and it's not that God doesn't want to bless you. He is blessing you, but could you possibly be outside of the boundary and be outside of the limits and outside of the margin that God wants to use you? Meaning, and a better question is, are you actually being used uh, by God to your fullest capacity currently are you currently being used of God at your maximum capacity or are you uh, are you being used of God from a place of frustration that's a question only you can answer so as I used to get tickets all the time and speed all the time I still got where I wanted to go but I got there late so when I got there late, I couldn't speak to people, couldn't talk to people. I, I got to go lead prayer. <laughs> you come like, hey, hey, at that time, hey, Minister Mark, I can't talk. I got to go pray. God of our weary years. God, and I, I made the years weary. I did it. <laughs> it wasn't just a song. I did it. And so what it is, as far as margin is concerned, all of us could stand to use margin. I told you all this last week, you know, and I know it might be old school for some of you, but when I grew up, we didn't wait till Sunday to get our church clothes together. I know it's old school, I know, but we got our clothes out the night before. We had to. And if by chance, this is how bad it was in my house, if by chance I tried to sneak and iron my clothes on Sunday morning, you know you have the ironing boards that squeak. Yeah, I ain't the only one who had squeaky iron board. The iron board says squeaked. When I was trying to, to, to raise up the squeaky iron board quietly, you know how you'd be like, yeah. Daddy would be like, you didn't get your clothes out yesterday? You know, because they believed in preparing for worship. We used to sing a song, Angie, I prepare my mind for worship. Prepare my heart for praise. Do you know that coming to church uh, it's not just about sitting in a pew. It's also about preparation, preparing your mind, preparing your mind for like when you wake up tomorrow, how much earlier do you need to get up to prepare yourself for the day? Preparing your mind for battle, especially those of you who are teachers or those of you who are in different areas, you need, it's, it's important that you prepare your mind so you don't go into the battlefield unprepared. Someone say, prepare your mind. So here we are, as we are living with limits, we need to live with limits. You know, it's, it's interesting that if you were to go to a doctor and he would ask you, I was reading this other day, it says that, and I don't know the percentage, so I don't even want to list it, but it says a majority of a lot of the cases that they are um, 
dealing with as it relates to people coming into the doctor's office or to the hospital or to ER, most of them are due to stress, anxiety, and overload. Behind a lot of health conditions and a lot of different things are going on, it's because they lived or pushed themselves to the limit to now their heart is working overtime, their body is working overtime or whatever. So a lot of people, a lot of the doctors, when they are bringing, uh, when they're diagnosing, if they really want to diagnose you correctly, it wouldn't be all these different things that we say in the medical field that really want to say is overload. You have stretched yourself to capacity that you are beyond the limits. And the prescription is not at Walgreens or at CVS. The prescription is in your life and it's called margin. Well, you tell someone, I got the medicine I need. I already got it. I just got to use it. All of us are humans of systems. All of us are, have, we have human systems. And you can, only, you can only operate in the systems that you have. If you look at a room that you have in your life, if you look at a room in your house, you can only put so much furniture in there. <laughs> have you ever gone to somebody's house and you know, I put a whole lot in this room? <laughs> He's like, you were really trying to decorate, weren't you? You know, you can only put so much furniture in there according to the diameters of the room, according to how it is. How much are you trying to crowd in your space? How much are you trying to put in there? You can only handle so much. Tell somebody, I can only handle so much. Like, there's only, there's only so much room. Meaning, and, even in, and say this even as it relates to drama and social media intake and stuff like that. There's only so much your brain can handle. And fully function. Um, psychologists say that we don't even know yet. It will be years later that we find out the effects on social media. We have no clue what it's done. And I'm not saying I don't use it. And I'm not saying I'm not on it. I'm on it just as much as some of y'all are as well. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is there used to be a time that our children, three years old, younger, used to be able to smell grass and not see grass. They used to go out and be able to hear a hummingbird, see a hummingbird, be able to go out and go touch a, a giraffe or a zebra at a zoo or stuff like that. Now we, instead of parenting our children, YouTube does. And Disney Plus does. So instead of us, don't get quiet, don't, don't get quiet, don't get quiet. So instead of us having real conversation with them and having and going out and finding if they have allergies or not, being out on, on the outside, now we just give them iPads at two iPads at three and now everything they need to know is already right here on the screen and now they go outside and they have no uh, interpersonal skills they don't know how to talk to people they see grass they're not now when they see something real they're no longer impressed by it because they've already seen the digital version and the reason that it's quiet right now this Episcopalian no light church is because a lot of times most people are not able to identify the real God because you've seen the digitized version so long. We have live streaming options. I come to church if I want to. I go on YouTube and I find which pastor I like. I go on Instagram and I find which one has the most followers. That's the popular one for me right now. Don't be quiet. That is now digital discipleship. Now we have digital discipleship and faraway relationship. <laughs> Y'all want the lights to come back on? 
<laughs> so I'm saying now because everything is a digital option, now I don't have to deal with you if I don't want to. I don't have to have a relationship with you. I don't have to serve on a team. I don't have to do whatever I want to do. I can do whatever I want to do because I now have options. And I'm not saying we're not in digital age and technological age. I'm not saying that. But it's not either or. It's both and. You have to have both and because when you get sick, you don't want an AI coming to meta to come. You want an AI walking in the room. Come on, y'all. Come on. I mean, y'all want some robot like, help me, I help you. Mortisa, you know, you don't, you don't want that. You want a human. We were designed for human relationships. We were designed for that. That does, and so you have to learn. If I don't like you, how do I learn to deal with you even when I don't like you? This ain't the first church that had mean ushers, which we don't have at Growth Point. They ain't here. We don't have that church. They get fired here. We ain't even hire them. <laughs> well, we don't have that. But we're not the first church that had issues and problems. It's what you deal with. You know, but we have to make sure that we are doing both. And we have to make sure that we have, we have, make sure that we have limits. Someone say, give me limits. Give me limits. I'm going to keep going. Rick Warren says this. He says, for many people, the barrier to spiritual growth isn't the lack of commitment but overcommitment to the wrong things. Say it again. For Rick Warren, he says, for many people, the barrier to spiritual growth isn't the lack of commitment, but overcommitment to the wrong things. Could it be that you're not available for what's spiritual because you're overcommitted to what's not? So I do know that the ministry needs this, and I do know that we need to help in this area, and I do know, however, I'm on five boards in the city, and I'm not available. I have five entrepreneurial endeavors, and I'm surely not available for another nonprofit. So I'm overcommitted to my things, and I'm really not available for God's things. But, bless me. Bless me, oh God, bless me indeed, enlarge. You know, we want him to bless me, bless me even though I'm not in the right place. Y'all don't want me today. Like, like I'm serious. It's, it's a, it's a, it's, 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 sometimes I believe God scratches his head at us. Like, you want me to bless you. You want me to be there for you. You want me to do all these things for you. And I want to ask you, according to the prophetess Janet Jackson, what have you done for me lately? Come on, y'all. Like, what have you done? I'm not talking about it's not about a faith. It's not about a works thing. It's I work, I, I work because of my relationship with God. You know, I was telling our, some of our uh, Zoom class I was on earlier today, like when you see me, some of you who see me walking around and helping and doing whatever I can, I don't do that because I want to be seen. I do it because I want to be faithful. My assignment as a pastor is not just to preach. My assignment as a pastor is to be among the people. You, a shepherd should smell like sheep. If you don't smell no sheep on me, then I'm not a pastor. I'm a hireling. 
meaning I'm someone hired for the job. What smells like sheep means, that means I get among the sheep, I know what's going on with the sheep, but I don't judge the sheep. I know what's going on, I know what's happening, I know what different things you're dealing with, but you don't ever hear it come out my mouth. And you don't ever see me posting subliminally about you. And you don't ever hear me preaching messages about your story that you told me privately and then finding a scripture to back up what I want to say to you publicly. That's not what the pastor's assignment is. The Bible says he'll give you pastors after his heart. After his heart. And what is God's heart for you? He knows your stuff and never brings it up. He knows what we're dealing with and it's still there for you. Can we give God praise for a good God who just really loves us? He's a good, good father. So as we move on, because I've realized my introduction is not going too well with y'all today. It's the light, so it's too much already. But as it relates to margin, my, some of my college students who are in the master's program, I won't say where they are in this church or where they're sitting, but they're on the second row behind Mel. But anyhow, they told me uh, last week that, um, you know, when I start talking about finances to stay out of it. Well, I'm going to talk about finances today um, because... I'm the pastor, they're not. So I want to talk about it, um, and I'm not going to talk about it as you think, but I want to talk about it as it relates to contentment. Are you content with where you are financially? Are you content where you are financially? I want to just do a poll right now. Are you happy with your finances? If you are, raise your hand. Miles raised his hand. He said he's happy where he is financially because his parents provide all his needs. Miles went to prom last night, and when he looked good, might I say, he went to prom last night, and when he called, I called him to check on him, because I was coming up, jumping on a plane from Orlando, called to see how he was doing, you know, and he said, oh, da, I got your shoes on. <laughs> so I wanted to say, you look good in my shoes, you know, but I didn't say that. So, of course, Miles is the only one in this room who is happy with his financial status right now, uh, because we are his employers and his crowd funder. But any of y'all, can you can we be honest and say, I, I want my finances to look different. Anybody want to say that I want my finances to look different? I do. I want my finances to look different. So that means I'm not content, and that's including me as well. So I want to teach you a few different things as we, before I wrap it up about having financial margin. And financial having financial margin, when you have financial margin, when you do, it brings about contentment. The first area that it brings about contentment is this. When you have financial margin, you get contentment. How, number one, how do you do it? By lowering expenses, you live with far less pressure. I lost eight of y'all. By lowering expenses, you live with far less pressure. Y'all got that? Say it one more time for the people in the back. By lowering expenses, you live with far less pressure. What does that mean? When my refrigerator breaks, I don't. Okay. When my car breaks down, I don't break down. That means when there's a flat tire, I have something on reserve to go get another one. But when you don't live on margin, when something happens unexpected, you go into panic mode, which then turns into anxiety. And then turns into God having to work grace over time because you didn't have a savings. 
Not a cash app. Not a cash app. Something on reserve if something happens. Y'all hear me? This is not talking about tithe. You can't even tithe every time I get up before the church and talk about offering, it takes you into panic mode because you can't afford another thing. You got 10 subscriptions and no cable. All my life I had to fight. Y'all got all these different subscriptions, no cable, streaming everything and paying nothing. <laughs> Y'all want me to stop? Oh, <laughs> uh, who was that told me? Was it Nia? Was you told me? Somebody in the lobby told me last week. They said you were a little loud today. You was a little loud. It was you. Oh, yeah. I said, I was like, somebody told me I was a little loud. <laughs> so I'm going to calm my voice a little bit down. I got Dr. By the way, congratulations to Dr. Christina Call, who just defended her dissertation. Congratulations. Congratulations. But it's as far as financial margin brings contentment, by lowering expenses, you live with far less pressure. When you have margin, you can do more. When you have margin, you can do something. Not just margin for vacations, but margin for, for unexpected expenses to be able to do that. Then the second thing is, it allows benevolence towards others. What's benevolence? It means it allows me to be able to give to you. It allows me to have the window to be able to give to somebody else other than myself. And my question for many of us, and this is just personal, do not look at anybody else, just look at me. Are you a handout person or do you give out? Like is your hand always out for something or do you give out? When is the last time you even gave to anybody other than getting to yourself? When you have financial margin, it gives you the ability to be malevolent to other people. And let me tell you this. Can I say this real quick? Someone, someone say, say it. Portia, I'm just use Portia for example. Let me not use Portia because I pick on Portia a lot. And people say he's got favorites. What, whatever y'all say, I could care less. Um, let's do uh, Sandra a lot, Deaconess a lot. I haven't used her in an example before. She cooks. Cooks well, might I say. Let me tell you what... what Excuse me, Matt and Chrissy, it's not about y'all. And Jamar, I'm sorry. Where are my, my minorities in the room right now? I apologize. But Dickens is like, let me tell y'all what us African-American saved, blood-washed, tongue-talking people do. Because we are by nature selfish people, we want her to cook for us, but we won't pay her for what she cooks. We support each other by using each other. <laughs> walk with me, Lord, walk with me. We support each other by using each other. If you want support, it's usually not going to come from us. That's a word we don't use called patronize. We don't patronize, we criticize. Patronize me. You know, there's a church, My, uh, Miles has a friend who is, um, is he Russian? Ukraine, sorry, he's Ukrainian. And they go to this particular Ukrainian church, and all they do is buy from each other. They support each other. They know all the businesses that are in, these in their church. They make each other wealthy by supporting each other. 
If somebody has a hair business, they support their own. If somebody has a restaurant, they go to that restaurant. If somebody has a car lot, they go to that car lot because they support each other. That, do you do know that is our early model church in the church of Acts? It says, and they all had everything in common and they bought each other's houses. They supported each other. Where is supporting each other again? I'm not talking about people who look like you, think like you, sound like you, talk like you, uh, came from the same. No, I'm talking about I support you because you're one of us. I support you because I just can because I want You know, when we did our logo and our, our rebranding of the church like that, we didn't hire anybody outside the church. They did it right here in the church. People that were already right here, part of this church, had logos. They had designed things. That's what they did. And we have become better because the people that got sent here. We could buy, we can go, uh, you know, uh, um, you know, hire somebody on a third party or whatever, somebody outside of the church. But it's much better when you're able to support. So when you look at that logo, every time you see the logo, whatever, you're like, we did that. Our church did that. Not some other company. We did that for each other. So we have to make sure that, I, that we have to ask ourselves a question just naturally. Am I really giving to my people? And I'm not talking about race. I'm talking about if somebody in Growth Point opens up a cake store, will you go to the cake store and say, that cakes ain't all that good? Come on, y'all. It's all right. The sauce wasn't really doing much. Come on. I'm serious. That's what we do. I support you. I only support you in public, but I talk about you in private. I went to the grand opening, but the chicken was dry. The tea didn't have enough sugar in it. And then I want to ask all the non-food critics, what did you cook? Matter of fact, can you cook? Because you got a lot of mouth, but I ain't seen no results and no fruit of you even cooking in the last 30 years. So when it says about margin, is this too much? I said, Amber, come grab my microphone. I'm not doing too well today. It's the lights. It allows benevolence towards others. In other words, we're considering ourselves before others. Let's go here, Galatians, uh, go here, Galatians 6, chapter, verse 9. If they hear from you, Dr. Stacia, they'll like me again. Galatians 6, chapter, 9 through 10. Let's go there. Oh, you got a microphone? Oh, you don't have a microphone. It's not on. Uh, Cameron or PJ or somebody, anybody, can you turn them? You don't see a light. It's not on. Give her a microphone with a light. Okay, turn Where's Cameron? Cameron left it. There you go. Okay. And let us not grow weary of doing good. Hold on. Of what? Doing good. Doing something for somebody else. We quote that scripture and run through the church. Don't be weary in well-doing, inducing. We do all that. That's talking about doing something for somebody else. Don't be weary in helping somebody. Go on. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. Hold on. How can you reap what you haven't done? You, it's an agricultural scripture. You only reap what you put in the ground. If you haven't put anything in the ground, you don't get anything back. You can't want a friend and not be a friend. It don't work like that. You just can't. I wish I had a friend. Are you a friend? I wish people would feel comfortable telling me stuff. You, you like a broken refrigerator. Everything I tell you leaks out. 
my secrets are not safe with you, so I don't tell you nothing. You have shown me. I can't trust you. Have you ever had anybody like that? And when somebody walks through, you're like, don't, don't, don't you, don't you tell them where you work. <laughs> like, don't tell them. Don't, don't tell them what you watch on TV. Don't say a word. They will tell it to everybody. But it says this, don't be weary in doing good for other people. For in due season, something good will happen to you because you made something happen for somebody else. We used to sing the song a long time ago, if I can help somebody, my living won't be in vain to make sure that you're helping somebody. So let's go on. Verse 10 says, so then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. First stop there. Let's do good to everyone. Someone say everyone. Everyone, everyone in the Aramaic, Greek and Hebrew. I looked it up. Mama Carol is everyone. Everyone. Everybody. Do good to everybody. Not just people you like. Not just people that have your orientation that you like. Why is, I was telling Mel this, I think I told her this a little bit earlier today. What bothers me a lot is we get nervous because somebody sins differently than us. So because you chose to sin different than me, I get to judge you for it because it's not my area of sin. That's called politics. That's not called relationship. We only deal with people who believe like us. But to be able to look at this, do good to everyone means everybody, not just some people, whoever it is, even if they believe differently than you. Do good to everybody. Someone say everybody. everybody. Then it goes on. And especially to those who are of the household of faith. Especially to people who are believers. Why is it that oftentimes the, the most judgmental people are people who speak in tongues? Why is, it, <laughs> why is it that sometimes the most critical people are people who are of the household of faith? Why is it that sometimes the most unforgiving people are people who go to church every single week, do Bible studies, binge watch T.D. Jakes on Amazon Prime, and do everything? Y'all can quote everybody's scriptures and live none of them. It says, do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. What does that mean? In other words is, if I can't help you, I sure won't hurt you. That's what it means. Like, I, if I can't hurt you, if I can't help you, I'm going to be quiet. Like, I'm going to stay out of that. The, my, my, my dad says, the best of business is to mind your business. <laughs> the best of business is to mind your business. When you do me a favor, I ain't going to fight you because i am got my microphone right now. Look at someone say, mind your business. Just mind your business. Or get you some. <laughs> if you don't have no business, open one. <laughs> it's a full-time job. If you don't have no business, open your business. And see how hard it is to manage your own business instead of minding somebody else's business. It says, do good to everyone, especially those who are of the household of faith. I'm telling y'all, Matt, some of the nastiest people I've met are in church in pews. I'm telling you, I mean it. Some of the, I'm talking about some of the nastiest people I preach can out-preach you, out-preach me, you, your mama, and your granddad who's been dead for 30 years. I'm telling you, they can preach. I'm talking about preach and be nasty. I'm talking about real nasty. After you get through preaching, you meet them in the back office, you'll be like, do you know the Lord? I mean, preach you into a frenzy and be nasty. No, I'm so grateful that we don't have nasty people in Grove Point. 
And if y'all are, y'all don't show up on Sundays. I don't know what you like during the week. That's why I only like y'all. So once a week is all I can handle y'all because I don't know what y'all like outside of that. But someone say, do good to everyone. Everybody. So that's, that's about margin. I, I know y'all like it. What is this about? This is about margin. By lowering expenses, you live with far less pressure. Two, it allows benevolence towards others. Three, it pleases God. Margin pleases God. Having financial margin in your life pleases God. The scripture says this, 2 Corinthians 9, 6-7, Pastor Stacia says this. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. What does that mean? God wants you to want to give. God doesn't want you to give grudges. I'm not talking about an offering on Sunday. I'm talking about to have a life of giving, not a moment of giving. It's a life of giving. It's a life of generosity. God doesn't want you. You know, there's nothing worse than asking someone for something you need because you're in a bind and they reluctantly help you. Or maybe you've had somebody help you. Maybe y'all have never experienced this, but Kamisha, have you ever had somebody help you and then they remind you of when they did? Or someone who says something to you like, you know, I'm, I'm going to give you this and you don't have to pay me back, but they bring it up every time they get a chance. I saw you went on their cruise. <laughs> Said you can pay your rent last week. So you down there in the Bahamas having a good time. Get your groove back. So it's like I would rather you not give to me if you're going to remind me that you did give to me. Let's bring it to the household of faith. God, I gave Sunday. You know what I'm going through financially. You going to help me out? God, I gave to the building fund and what they said they were doing at the church. Are you going to help me out with my child? God was saying, I would rather you not give if you're going to be reminding me that you gave. Got quite, y'all allow when you talk about people y'all can remember. But when it talks about the God you can't see, mm, I don't know about that. Because he's like, don't give so that you can remind me that you did. Give because you want it to give. That you know it's a spiritual principle because God loves a cheerful giver. He loves someone who wants to do it. So that's why on Sundays when we try to say it's offering time, we try to create an atmosphere of cheerfulness. It's not just to you know, be oddly like, why are they clapping? You know, it's not that. It's to say, I love to do this. It's not grudgingly. Y'all don't ever see, y'all have never in the history of this church ever seen me get up and do a 30-minute offering. Y'all have never in the history of eight years of this church seen me do a $100 line, a $200 line, a $300 line, tell you if you give an offering of $2,023, God's going to bless your whole year. Have y'all ever seen me do it? No, because I don't believe that God needs to be manipulated to bless you. And I don't believe I have to manipulate you for God to get to you. I believe it's a spiritual principle of my job is to teach the word and God will give the rest. God loves a cheerful giver. Someone say a cheerful giver. 
And for those of you who have been with me any length of time for a long, you know, eight years, in the beginning when I first talked about finances, I used to be nervous. I used to be scared. I was scared of the people. You hear me? I was scared of y'all. I was like, I don't want to talk about finances. They might fight me. But the Lord convicted me and said, if you don't keep teaching my word, the people are going to stay broke. It's a spiritual principle that once you grab hold to it, God elevates, God changes, he changes the situation. But if I don't teach it, it's in there. The same God who heals is the same God who wants us to give. It's a spiritual principle. So I want you to, I want you to be able to have higher altitudes and higher levels so that you can be able to not have one businesses, but businesses, not business, but businesses, so that you don't have to wait on, on, on some system to give you a down payment. You got the money for your down payment on your own house. You can build it. You can buy it. You own three houses and four houses, and not just for you, but to give to other people. That You got rental properties for the household of faith. That's kingdom business. That's kingdom principles. But if we're living beyond limits and beyond boundaries, we can't even get to the point that we're helping the household of faith because I'm always asking God to bless my household. How can God bless a household of faith and I'm in lack in my own house? My own household is in the negative, so you want me to bless a household of faith? I have stretched the limits with swipe. I have stretched the limit with this and this and this and this so much so that now I'm at the point where I can't even, I have no margin for God to bless me. Someone just lift your hand and say, God bless me. God bless me. God bless me. Y'all give me five more minutes and I'll be through. How do I restore financial margin? I'm glad you asked. How do I restore financial margin? Those of you who are taking notes, blessed are those who take notes for they shall see the kingdom of God. How to restore financial margin? Number one, y'all ready? Settle the ownership debate. Settle the ownership debate. What does that mean? Who owns the house? Who owns the car? Who owns my money? The ownership. Do I own it or do I steward it? Is it my money or the money that God gave me to steward? Settle the ownership debate. Psalms 24 verse 1 says this. The earth is the Lord. The earth is Pastor Mario's. The Lord's. The earth is Stacia's. The Lord. The earth is Matt's. The Lord. The earth is Amaya's. The Lord. The earth is the Lord's and what? The fullness thereof. And what? The world and those who dwell therein. Who owns it? If we were in a football uh, circle right now, they would say, whose house? Ah, whose house? That's what God is saying all the time. Whose house is this? God's house. We are just tenants. He's the landlord. If, if, if Kirk Franklin were here right now, he would say, this is God's property. Then he would look at y'all and say, GP, are you with me? Oh, yeah. He would ask. <laughs> But the question is, how are we handling God's property? Your finances tell a story about what you feel about God's property. Don't fight me. Your finances, your house, your car, it tells a story of what you feel about God's property. It belongs to God. Someone say belongs to God. 
I told a story, a Bible study the other day about this uh, parent who was talking to his child one day and he told his child, he said, hey, I want you to go clean my room. And the child responded and the child said, clean your room, the room you sleep in? He said, no, clean the room you sleep in. That's my room. The child said, ain't my, it ain't your room, that's my room. He said, until your name gets on the mortgage, until your name gets on the bills, until your name starts being reported for the shopping I do, it's my room. Every room in this house is mine. Go clean my room. So when we say stuff like, this is my Audi, is it? Because the last time I checked, as long as you got a pay note, as long as you got a car note, and if you skip a few car notes, they can come and pick it up, and then you say, whose is it? Then y'all be talking about, pray for me, I got a car repossessed, because it was never yours. It bothers me. Y'all don't do it, just your neighbor does it. I hate it sometimes when people go on Facebook and get in front of their car and say, it's the car God blessed me with. He only blesses you as long as you pay for it. It's not yours. You are a steward of it until you miss payments. And they come back and say, whose car? Our car. <laughs> so when it comes to God's property, whose breath is it? God's. Whose body is it? God's. Did you give yourself the color of your skin? No. Did you give yourself your hair texture or the one? Maybe the one you bought, yes. But the one that's yours naturally? No. It's God's. It's God's property. And when it comes to us being stingy with his property, how does the landlord feel about that? How does the landlord feel about us saying, I, you know, I give to them and I gave to them. I gave to my fraternity and my sorority. I pay their dues. I can talk about this. I pay my annual dues. I pay my fees. And I always have nail you. Because homecoming is coming. But why is it that I never have on the nail of the armor of God? I never have the nail of the breastplate of righteousness. I never have my feet show with the gospel of preparation of peace. I never have on current spiritual clothes, but I always have popular trendy clothes for, to, to entertain people who I haven't seen since last year. I keep my, because if, this is the thing is, because if you don't pay your dues in a return to your sorority, you're not active. If you don't pay your dues in heaven, are you active? Are you what we call in our fraternity, you are a brother, but you're not active. Could it be that many of us, we pay for natural stuff, but we have not laid up for ourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy? I know it's just someone say ouch, just say ouch. That's all you got to say, ouch, just ouch. Because God is asking, how are you handling my property? Yet you want me to bless your business? You are active in your group, but not active in my kingdom? You are active in your businesses, but you're not active and you're not reporting for duty in kingdom work? This is my property. Someone say it's God's property. Someone say, I am God's property. I belong to God. What that means is I can't give God's property to everybody. That's right. That's right. Everybody can't deal with God's property. That's right. That's right. I can't give it to everybody. 
Because it belongs to God. My money belongs to God. My life belongs to God. My talent belongs to God. My treasure belongs to God. And we have to settle the issue of lordship. Who owns the money? God does. Yeah. Two more things. What, y'all ready? <laughs> can I get two more things? Can I give you two more things? Can I, can I do two more things? All right. All right. So one, settle the ownership thing. Second thing is this. It's hard. Live within your harvest. Live within your harvest. What does that mean? Live with what he gave you. Live within your harvest, not my harvest. Like Pastor Caesar said a few weeks ago, when we were talking about how, you know, people, if you, if you, if you shout because God bless your neighbor, that means he's going to bless you. No. Bless God for your harvest, what he gave you. Scripture, Matthew 25, 14 says this. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them to, to, excuse me, to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He gave each person, and this is not just talking about talents, it's really talking about money. It's, it's a, actually accounted scripture. He gave each according to what they could handle. The money was given to them according to one person. He gave this. It was equivalent like $5,000. Another person gave $10,000. Another $15,000. What all those type of stuff. But he gave each according to his ability. How many of y'all right now would like to just raise your hand and say, I would love to be a millionaire right now? All right. Good. How many of y'all would like, don't y'all judge me for this statement. How many of y'all would have liked to place a bet that was the winning bet yesterday? Just how many of y'all? Good. The rest of y'all say people like, can I say that in church? It's good. I'm just asking. I'm just asking. I mean, you bet anyway. Just go ahead and tell the truth. Just asking. So you would like to be a, a, a millionaire and you would love God to bless you as a millionaire. How are you treating being a hundredaire? How do you handle your hundreds that you got right now or your tens? Whatever you got. <laughs> well, I got five on it. Whatever you got. <laughs> Whatever. Something like that. How are you handling that harvest? That's, right. That's according to what you've been able to manage well right now. Right. For God to give you a million. You know, most of the people, and I don't know the statistics, most of the people who win the lottery within a few years, do you know those people are broke? Yeah. Because too much too soon is too much. Because we always say, if I could just have one thing that to do, if someone gave you $20,000 right now, it would handle all my debts. But would you pay your debts? If someone gave me $40,000, it would just, it would clean up everything. But would you allow it to clean it up? Or would you be like, child, I've been waiting to do something for myself. <laughs> Tired of looking at everybody on social media going to Paris and going to, it's my time. $20,000. Who? What? Child, please be ready for me. Prepare to be sick of me. And then when you get home, your bills are like, hey, how was your trip? It didn't pass in the Senate. Joe Biden's still going to come get your money. But to live within your harvest, each according to his ability. Number three, number three, I got to get out here. Number three, live with contentment. Live with contentment. Philippians 4, chapter 11 through 13 says this. 
Now that I am speaking of being in need. Uh, say that. He said not. Excuse me. Not that I am speaking of being in need. For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Let me tell you something. I remember a time where my lights had gone out where I could not pay to get my lights on. And instead of me complaining about it, I got, we got candles. We got um, um, blankets and do whatever. And somebody up the street came down to our house and stayed until, you know, it was a storm and different things. And also, my, my lights just went out. I couldn't do anything about it. And we, we never told the kids, never told them that we couldn't afford to keep the lights on. The lights were just out. It was what it was. Nothing I can do about it. What am I going to do crying about it at 9 o'clock at night? They are closed. Sitting here crying at 9 o'clock. It's night anyway. You might as well make it work. Tonight's the night. You might as well just make it work. Because it's already night. So you turn on the candles. And we're like, y'all, we just going to have a nice candlelight family time. Because we ain't got no lights anyway. Isn't it a wonderful talk that I'm talking about? We're having lights. You got to make it do. But to be content with whatever situation you're in. If you don't have a lot, be thankful for a lot. I mean, be, be thankful for that season, whatever. If you don't have a lot of different things, Miss Nedra, I hope I can say this without embarrassing you, which I don't think Miss Nedra's, you know, she's, she's, you know, she's about it. She ain't worried about that stuff. But I remember a time Miss Nedra, probably three years ago, two years ago, Miss Nedra couldn't afford her teeth or something like that. Was that two years ago, something like that? She couldn't afford her teeth or whatever, a few years ago. But Miss Nedra said, she said to me, she said, Pastor, I ain't got no teeth, but I still look good. <laughs> I said, Miss Nedra, you better be walking around with no teeth and smiling for the people. I'm saying you got to go through whatever season you go through and say, this is what it is. You know what I'm saying? Like we front for people just to be fronting and you're going in debt fronting for people who don't like you anyway. Like to be able to say, this is all I got. Stop going in debt for a wedding that you don't stay in for six months. Eight bridesmaids, everybody had on sequence and all that stuff. And then, then y'all don't even talk anymore to go in debt for 30 minutes. <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. This is wrong church. But what I'm saying is to be able to make sure that you're not trying to front, live within your harvest. Tell somebody, live within your harvest, meaning what you can handle. What you can do, what you can maintain. Like if you, if all you can afford is a townhome, live in a townhome. You don't have to have a fourplex yet. If you, I'm not ready for that yet. If all you can go get is a used car, drive your used car, go over there and get you some tent, go over there and put you some rims on there and walk, drive around town, get you some base in the, in the, in the back seat and do whatever and walk around and be like, God's property, what? God's property, what? God's property, what? God. Do whatever you got to do. If the windows don't work, just roll them down. Say, hold on, baby, I got to roll them down. Give me a second. If the door handle don't work, say, hold on, let me open it for you. I'm not just being a gentleman. That's the only way the door is going to open do what you got to do stop fronting for people if you're not ready for that don't front like you need it and you can't handle it live within your harvest tell somebody again live within your harvest last thing last scripture and I'm through last point is discipline desires and understand your needs discipline your desires and understand your needs discipline my desires like I know what I desire but I need discipline around that 
Like I need to create margin around that discipline and then understand what my needs are. That's why I said last week, I said, Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want because he provides for my needs. But sometimes I want too much. And he's like, you don't, you don't need that right now. You just need this. Discipline my desires, understanding needs. First Timothy 6 chapter, this last scripture. First Timothy 6, 17 says this. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. <laughs> My hope is in God, not in this world, not in cryptocurrency, not in any of those type of things that are fleeting and changing. My hope is in God. Someone say it out loud. My hope is in God. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. What that means is don't get caught up in your stuff. Don't get to the point you're just like, you know, I got this. You know, I, you know something, I, I love watching some of the red carpet events I do sometimes, you know. They be like, what you wearing? I'm wearing, you know, and they go through all that type of stuff. It's, and half of that stuff, what you don't know is, they didn't even buy it. They bought it for that. And not only that, they starved themselves all day just to fit in it. But because we don't know it, ooh, child, I want that. You want to be miserable but look good? But that's how a lot of our life is. I want to suffer just to look like, I, I look like I'm striving, but inwardly dying. And, and when I was in the South, when we lived in the South for a while, people would have better cars than they had houses. I'm talking about their car would be, I'm talking about you would see them driving around in a nice car and you drive up to the house be like, who, who lives here? <laughs> They're like, just excuse, I ain't had time to clean up, but you driving nice, but living bad? And that's not just in the South, that's us Christians. Many of us, we front better than we live. Because we want to live the, quote, blessed life. The blessed life does not mean the blinging life. I'm so sorry. This is unpopular teaching. I do understand that. But the blessed life doesn't mean you have to front it. The blessed life is can you maintain it? Sometimes having a, uh, just having air condition is a blessing. Today, yes. Sometimes having an apartment is a blessing. Sometimes having a dorm that does not have insects or, or animals or creatures in it or doesn't have mold in it is a blessing. Come on. Sometimes in Miles' case, having parents that can afford your lifestyle is a blessing. The day that Miles ever shouts in this church, I'm going to run around New Circle Road. <laughs> but some of us need to get back to the point that, as Paul said, whatever state I'm in, I've learned to be content. Whatever state. Some of you are single parents, and just to make ends meet is a blessing. 
Just thank God for that. One of our sisters, who I won't say, but one of our sisters went through a, you know, a separation, divorce, all that type of stuff, and done, and, and not just managed parenting well, but also went through higher education as far as school, did all that stuff. That is a blessing that you did all of that without losing yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like, who cares about, I got a six-figure. If you got $6, thank you, Jesus. I'm ready for the million. Lord, thank you for payday this week. Thank you. I appreciate, you know what I'm saying? To thank the Lord for those type of things and to thank the Lord that he will provide everything you need and to discipline your desires so you can say, Lord, thank you for that. Now I can, you can trust me. You can bless me with more. Like we're trying to get Sandra right here not to just be cooking for other people but to have our own business and our own restaurant so other people can come. I'm yes, to have other people that can come and bless and that she can break generational curses and things off of generations and be able to start a business that blesses other people. But you got to be in that position, that mindset to be able to get there to say, I'm not just want to be a blessing to somebody else. I want to have a blessing so I can have other people that can be blessed by my own endeavors. But we've got to be able to live with limits, not without limits, but put some limits back on your life so that God can bless you. I'm finished with my message. I pray that that bless you today. Before we end our time together, I wanted to make sure you know a few next steps. One, there are many of you who might have watched and the ministry and the message touched you in a way that you said today, I need to give my life to Christ. If that's you and you're ready, I want you to repeat after me. Say, Dear Jesus, today I have decided to follow you. I believe that you died for me and that you got up that I might have eternal life. Live in me now. Live through me. Forgive me of my sins. My life belongs to you. In Jesus' name. You prayed that prayer. We believe you got born again. And welcome to the family of God. Now, you don't have to join or connect with Growth Point Church. There are many Bible-believing churches that can aid you and walk with you in this new growth journey. Whatever that is, we want you to provide your information to us, um, either in the comment section or you see the QR code coming up right now. You can provide your information so that we can uh, partner with you and point you in the direction so that you don't have to grow alone. Second, there are many of you who have been watching for a while or connecting or coming in and out and you say, hey, what I do know is this is my church family and I need to connect. Even if you're saying all I do, I'm online, I'm out of state, I'm wherever, but this is your family. And if this is your family, we're not perfect, but it might be the perfect place for you to grow. We would love for you to be a part of our family and I would love to be your pastor. Send us your information. Same information is on the screen for you. Send that and we will reach out to you and we will welcome you officially into the Growth Point family. Thirdly, the ways of which you can give and partner and support this ministry are on the screen right now. Your partnership and your support helps us to do things and reach people that we would never be able to reach without it. We're so grateful for it and thank you so much. Well, we're out of time. So grateful for you connecting. Thank you for your engagement and thank you for your constant support. This week, whatever you do, keep growing. <laughs>